Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. How's everybody doing tonight? I've heard there's a, tonight that there's a, a sporting event going on where people sport different sports. Um, but I'm glad you're here um, because uh, we're going to have some fun together. But most importantly, the reason you're here and the reason you're not watching people sport things that sport is because you want to spend some time here from God. Uh, so we're going to do that tonight too. And we're starting a new series called Strange Things Christians Believe. How many of you, you'll admit, you like watching like kind of supernatural type, Halloween kind of, are we allowed to say Halloween here? Are we allowed to use the H word? Halloween type, um, type things. How many of you, creeps you out, don't watch it, ain't going to watch it, no, 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 no. Okay. All right. So, uh, so uh, some of you that know April, she watches the creepiest movies. She really does. It's, it's creepy. So, so when, when you see her say, you got to stop watching those creepy movies, you're a heathen. Um, so we're going to be talking over the next four weeks, over the next four weeks, which is crazy. This is the last series before we have our not-so-traditional Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, it, it's, so, it's getting close enough to taste. Um, but um, this is our last series. We're going to be talking about some things that Christians believe that maybe people who aren't familiar with our faith might find to be kind of strange. Kind of a Halloween type series, you know. And, and tonight um, we're going to talk about something that is inside of all of us that people find to be strange. Before we get into that, I wanted to share some creepy things with you. I do some weird Google searching as a, as a youth pastor. I would, I would venture to say maybe I search things that maybe... Pastor Lemming doesn't feel compelled to Google um, because he, yeah, he's preaching to old people. You know, I'm preaching to, so I Googled strange things that have been found in people's bodies. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I would suggest Googling that without an adult present. <laughs> but uh, I want to share with you three headlines I found. Three headlines I found about things med- like that medical professionals found in people's bodies. I won't be featuring any local people here. But three things that medical professionals found in people's bodies. So here are some of the headlines. Here's the first headline. It goes like this. He carried eight inch long leather belt in his chest. Let me read you the report. This was in New Delhi in India. In a rare surgery performed in Apollo Hospital, an eight-inch long leather belt was removed from a young man after it had laid there undetected for four years, the doctor said on Friday. It had to do with a road accident that he was in. Because of the impact, it inserted the belt into his abdomen. And for some reason, they never found the belt until he started complaining about stomach pains. You think? four years later. Here's another one. Fish taken out from lungs of 12-year-old boy in indoor. In one of the rare surgeries, a team of city-based doctors has saved the life of a 12-year-old boy who swallowed a nine-centimeter-long live fish while playing on the riverside with his friends. Apparently, it's not uncommon for the boys in his neighborhood to accidentally swallow fish while they're swimming, but this one did not go in the boy's stomach. It went into his lungs and apparently survived for several months and grew in his lungs before it was removed. 
And here's the final one, and this is my favorite, just because it just, it's so ironic. How many of y'all, you know, your dad just doesn't notice anything? Like, it's, it's a guy thing, kind of just not notice things. Well, this one probably tops your dad. Uh, this is the headline. Man shoots nail into brain without noticing. <laughs> Man shoots nail into brain without noticing. Here, here's what it is. A suburban Chicago man accidentally shot a 3.25 inch nail into his skull, but is recovering after doctors, doctors successfully removed it from the center of his brain. Dante Altulo, 34, was in his workshop when a nail gun recoiled near his head, but he had no idea the nail had entered his brain until the next day when he began feeling nauseous. <laughs> So, so there are some strange things that have been found inside people. There have been some strange things found inside meat grinders at restaurants in Huntington. How many of y'all heard about that one? <laughs> we don't, it's like Bruno. We don't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but tonight I want to talk about something that is found inside of each and every one of us. And it's something that is evil. Tonight, the title of the, the, the lesson is Strange Things Christians Believe, Evil Inside. Most people don't want to believe that there is something evil inside them. If you get on Instagram, and I'm sure many of you are, you'll, you'll find what I call nuggets of white girl wisdom. You know what I mean when I say that? Nuggets of what? It usually kind of looks something like this. I literally just shot, I, I, I Instagram searched a white girl affirmation posts. And this is the first one that popped up. It says, start focusing on the things you love about yourself rather than the things you hate about yourself. I don't know if that was a very basic voice or not. I don't know what that was. like foreign, wasn't it? Anyway, um, happy Columbus Day. Um, what, yeah, this, <laughs> never mind. Um, we, we, we see these positivity type posts that people share on their story. And they all kind of say something to the effect of, you just need to find the positive energy in you. You just need to find, there's a little champion in you and you need to surround yourself with people who will like bring out the goodness in you. Luke Bryan says it this way. Any country music fans in here? Country music's wonderful. It's beautiful. It goes right to the heart. It's just a shame it has to go through the ears, right? Um, but um, Luke Bryan said it like this. I believe most people are good and most mamas ought to qualify for sainthood. I believe most Friday nights look better under neon or stadium lights. I believe you love who you love. Ain't nothing you should be ashamed of. I believe this world ain't half as bad as it looks. I believe most people are good. Luke Bryan has what um, Hunter likes to call mountain mama paganism. <laughs> You'll have to ask Hunter about that later. Mountain Mama Peg. It's this general thing like, oh, you know, you know Mama, she lo you know, she, she's a really good person. She was always there for me. And if there's ever anyone who deserves a ticket to the other side or a, you know, a spot in heaven, it'd be her because she's a great person. And a lot of us like to believe that most people are good. And a lot of us really want to believe that there's a lot of good inside us. We just have to stir it up. But tonight, we're going to hear from God's word a truth that a lot of people might find to be strange, a strange thing that Christians believe, and this is what they believe. It was all, we believe, if it's all boiled down to a nutshell about what's inside us, it's that sin lives inside me and explains my struggle to do what's right. Anybody have a struggle to do what's right? Or are you a cyborg? 
<laughs> right? The, the truth is everybody struggles to do what's right, struggles to make the right decision. Nobody has a thousand batting average. Even the Phillies aren't that good. Any Phillies fans in here? Is it just me? Just me. Okay. Um, we, none of us do everything right. We struggle to do what's right. And if you have your Bible, open to Romans chapter 7. We're going to learn from someone who is very well known in the Bible. He's considered to be a hero of the Bible. He wrote through the inspiration of God more of the Bible than anyone else but yet he struggled to do what was right. So if you have your Bible, I think I, did I say it? Romans chapter seven, if I didn't say it, open up to Romans chapter seven. Open up to Romans chapter seven and as you're turning there, I'm gonna bring it up on the screens here. And we're gonna read through this. This is a little bit longer of a passage, but tell me, tell me, tell me this does not sound like your life. Romans chapter seven. We're going to start in verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am under the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. Anybody else like that? <laughs> I don't understand my own actions. Maybe your parents don't understand your own actions. I don't understand my own actions. For I do, for I, this is a tongue twister here, so hang tight with me. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I, do what I, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it's good. So now it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in, within me. And here's, you know, most people are good. You sure about that? Verse 18, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have, no, for I have the desire to do what's right but not the ability to carry it out. Anybody else feel like that? Yeah, I have the desire to do what's right, but I don't have the ability to carry out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. There's the evil, right? For I delight in the law of God of my inner being. I know what God says and I love it. But I see in my members, I see in myself another law waging war against the law of my mind and making cap me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he sums up his struggle right here in verse 25. So let's read this real slow and dial in on it. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but in my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Do you see the struggle this guy's dealing with here as you are reading along? He knows what the right thing to do is. Hey guys, guys up here, okay? He knows what the right thing to do is, but he ends up always, just about always doing the wrong thing. Anybody else feel like that? Like, you know that you should, let's make it real simple, you know you should do your homework. You should do your homework. Nobody disagrees with that, but you don't do it. <laughs> like, you know you should really talk to your parents more respectfully than you do, but you don't. You following the struggle here? There are struggles that we all face, and we struggle with sin, and it's, it's not always a matter of, do we know what the right thing is? The question is, do we do it? Would it surprise you to know that this was written by a man named the Apostle Paul? 
He started church upon church upon church. He converted many people to Christianity. He was called one of the fathers or leaders of the first church, the early church. He was probably one of the most respected people in early Christianity. And now we we look back to his words that God gave him to learn how we're supposed to function as a church and how we're supposed to live as Christians. This guy was like what we would consider to be elite level Christian. You know what I mean by that? Like he was elite level Christian. He was on the varsity team. He wasn't JV. You know, he wasn't on the freshman team. He was elite level Christian. But yet we find what's going on in his life. He's struggling with sin. A lot of us, we look at our lives and we say, I know I'm saved, or at least I think I'm saved. But if I'm saved, why do I still struggle with sin? We look at people in our lives, sometimes parents, sometimes brothers and sisters, friends, who they say they're saved, but they keep getting themselves into problems, getting them, making mistakes, getting themselves into sin. And we start wondering, could, are they really saved? What we see here is something that to me is encouraging, and I hope to you it's encouraging. We see in, not that God, God doesn't see Christians as like elite level Christians and this and that. You know, we've had long talks about that. But what we see as an elite level Christian still struggling with sin. Why is that? It's because, as we said, sin lives within us and explains why we struggle to do what's right. I made a very short outline tonight because I've really been put to shame over the past few weeks. Hunter got us out on time. Last week, Doc Brown, Rich, he got us out on time. My goal tonight (laughs) is for the first time all year, get you out on time. What do we learn about sin? What do we learn about the evil inside us and how we can explain, just like Paul, we know what we should do, but we keep screwing it up. How do we explain that and how do we deal with that? There are three things we need to know. And the first is that being saved leads us to love the thing God loves and hate the things that God hates. You know, there's a big album getting ready to drop here. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Okay, I don't even have to say her name. Okay. Um, but, but a famous 21st century philosopher said it like this. The hater's gonna hate, 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 hate. Would it surprise you to know that there are things that God hates? I didn't say there are people, but I said there are things that God hates. God has to hate sin. He has to look down on sin because he's holy. And something interesting happens when we put our faith in Christ. We see what happens um, in in verse number six of this, of this, this chapter here. It says that now because we're saved, we serve in the new way of the spirit. Something incredible happens the moment you put your faith in Jesus and you trust in him to be saved. He sends his Holy Spirit to live inside you to indwell you. That's not like the the elite package. That's not like the Z71 package. Any Chevy people in here? That's not like, Brady's shaking his head. I knew you were a sinner. It's not like the, the elite package of Christianity. It's not like an additional thing that you can buy or an accessory. Every person who's a Christian has the Holy Spirit living inside them. And when, when, when you're saved, God starts doing things in your life. He starts changing your attitude toward things. And I want you to notice here, if I can pull up my verses here, I want you to notice something. Let me get, let me get my green out here. Look at, what, look at what, look what Paul says. He says, I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want. He wants to do good things, but I do the very thing 
that I hate, which is sin. He keeps on going with this. He says, now if I do what I do not want, that's sin, I agree with the law that it's good. So it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know nothing good dwells in me. I have the desire to do what is right. I have the desire to do it. That's good. That's godliness. But I don't have the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want, I keep on doing it. If I do what I do not want, remember that's sin. It's no longer I who do it, but the sin who dwell, that dwells within me. Do you see what I'm saying here? That even though he was not perfect, even though he was struggling with sin, because the Holy Spirit was living inside Paul, he knew the difference between right and wrong, and he had the desire to do what was right. Some people think that being saved means you're going to live a perfect life for the rest of your life. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you become a child of God, your Holy Spirit lives inside you and you won't live perfect. You won't not sin, but you won't be able to sin and enjoy it. You won't be able to sin and look at yourself in the mirror. Now, the Bible says this, this tells us that sometimes that, that, that there's pleasure in sin for a season, but in the end, it takes you farther than you'd ever want to go and you find dissatisfaction with it. And you begin to hate the sin that you committed. Some of you know exactly how that feels. You do something and you instantly know that what you did was wrong. Like you do something and you instantly regret it. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you're saved, God changes your heart to love the things that God loves and to hate the things that God hates. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it does mean that his Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. A lot of people, especially when they read this book of Romans, um, a lot of people th say, well, if, if, if God saves you from all your sin, what stops you from living however the heck you, you want to live? Like if you've got your fire insurance policy, why don't you go out and do what everybody else does on Friday nights? Like, why don't you do what everybody else does with their boyfriends or their girlfriends? It's because you have the Holy Spirit inside you that teaches you to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. And you may sin, but you're going to have a hard time enjoying it. Do you, do you, do you understand that? that? That's the struggle that Paul is dealing with. His struggle is not the fact that he doesn't think that he's saved or that, that he's surprised that he sinned. His struggle is that he keeps doing these things that he knows are wrong and he hates. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit that's living inside him, that he's convicted of those things. A lot of people, a lot of teenagers, they mess up. Anybody ever messed up or is it just me? A lot of teenagers and a lot of adults for that matter, they mess up and they think, oh shoot, did I lose my salvation? A lot of teens and even adults sometimes mess up and think, man, was I ever saved to begin with? Oftentimes, the very fact that you cannot enjoy the sin in your life, that you continually come back to confessing your sin and wanting to make things right with God is evidence that the Holy Spirit is living in your life. Does that make sense? in the struggle. This is the one side of the struggle. You have the Holy Spirit that lives inside you, but there's another side. There's another side of the struggle. It's that sin lives in us. I got this picture here of the dude that had the, the, uh, the nail in his head. Can you imagine being like the x-ray tech or whatever? I don't know how that all works, but can you imagine like that, that, like that image coming up? You're just like, hey, I think we need to get a doctor in here. <laughs> like a head doctor, one of the guys that works on the head, you know, whatever they call them. Like we need to get him in here right now, right? Uh, I, not a proctologist. What's a 
Neurologist, yeah. Uh, we need to get a head, a head doctor in here. What does a proctologist do? I don't know. Anyway, um, sin lives in us. Here's, here's the point. Can I show you something? Let me show you something. Let me, let me change my, my marker up here um, to something else. Let's go blue. This is interesting. Verse 14, it says, we know the law is spiritual, but I am what? Of the flesh. You know what the flesh means? It literally just means skin, <laughs> bones, blood, human, body. Okay? I know the law is spiritual, but I'm, I'm a human in a human body under sin. I don't understand my own actions. You know, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do, I do, I do. Verse 17, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that what? Dwells where? Within me. Sin dwells within me. I know that what? Oh, nothing good dwells in me. That is my flesh. Do you see what's going on here? Paul has the Holy Spirit living inside him, teaching him the difference between right and wrong, convicting him when he sins. He knows God's will. He knows God's law. Everything should be good, right? He should always do the right thing, right? Well, no, he still has, what, what is it? The flesh, his old sin nature. Matt, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by this, his old sin nature? You can turn a page back in your Bible to Romans chapter five and it explains this sin nature. It says when Adam sinned, we're not talking about that Adam. We're talking about the old Adam, the OG Adam. When Adam sinned, Remember Adam and Eve, fruit, all that good stuff, not good stuff, all that bad stuff. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. We have a sin nature that we inherited from our parents. Say, thanks, Dad, right? <laughs> yeah, and when you see your dad and I'd be, hey, thanks for my sin nature. Thanks for giving that to me, buddy. No, I wouldn't do that. That's disrespectful. That'd be sin itself, right? Um, but we all have sin in our life. We've inherited a sin nature. And the moment that we put our faith in Christ, the moment we said yes to Jesus and we trusted him for eternal life, the Holy Spirit came to live inside us, but the us still has a sin nature, what do we mean by sin nature? What do we mean by flesh? Let me explain. Our flesh, our bodies, unless they go unchecked, will take everything way past healthy. Let me make it real simple. Not so traditional Thanksgiving dinner. We had somebody eat, I think it was 12 McDonald's apple pies that night. And you know what his body did? It was that song, my mind is telling me no, but my body is telling me yes, or however that goes. His mind was saying, hey, you shouldn't be eating that, but his body's like, I want another one of those apple pies. You know what I mean? We have, we have emotions and hormones in our body. So what happens when your parent, your mom, your dad, whoever's your guardian comes in and says, I've told you like three times to clean your room. What were you born in a barn? Your mind is like, don't yell at your mom. Don't yell at your dad. Don't say a sarcastic remark to your dad. And you're, you, you, just, you just haul off and just, you, know, you, you, just, you just light them up. You just light her up. And you, you, start, you, you start talking with your hands, you're so upset, you know. And your mind's telling you, 
children, obey your parents. You honor your father and your mother. But your body, the anger in your body is making you pop off on your parents. You know how that works? You can tell that happened to me a few few times, right? Uh, So our bodies naturally take the way that God made us beyond the limits that he put on our bodies. We see that with sex. We see that with pornography. We see that with so many things that people get addicted to. We have a sin nature in our body. So the Holy Spirit, when we, when we, we put our faith in Jesus, comes to live inside us, teaches us right from wrong, makes us desire what's right. But there's our body, there's our flesh that is continually wanting to take things beyond what God has for us and the way God designed us to be. Is that making sense now? Do you see the struggle that Paul is having back and forth? The same struggle that you're having back and forth. So look at verse number 24. It gets to a crisis point. Have you ever been to a crisis point in your life? Have you ever been at a point in your life you're like, I can't go on like this. Like, I can't keep living like this. Maybe it has to do with your academics. You know, or maybe it has to do with like a boyfriend or girlfriend that you should have broken up with like, like, like two months ago. You're like, I've got to make a change. I can't deal with this anymore. Paul's hit that moment. He said, listen, he says, wretched man that I am. Verse 25, here, I'll come back. Let me get some red here because he's, he's like so angry. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who's, who can fix this problem that I have? Well, obviously, he has the answer, right? He knows the answer. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The struggle that Paul struggled with, the struggle that you struggle with, with knowing what to do right, but not doing it, Paul says the solution for that struggle, the salvation from that struggle is found in Jesus. I put a picture of a Thanksgiving dinner on. Doesn't that make you hungry? I put a picture of Thanksgiving dinner on because we should be thankful for what Jesus did for us. And we find victory over this struggle with sin, the struggle with the evil inside us through Jesus. I want to share with you Real quick, we're not going to like go through what each of them means specifically. I want to share with you three verses that, that, that tell us exactly why Jesus, when he died on the cross and made salvation available to us, gave us victory over the evil inside us. You ready to see these three verses? Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. The first two are in Romans so that you just turn back a page and you see them. The first is Romans chapter 5. Just go back a page and look at verse 8. It says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We're in the flesh. Evil inside us. And since we have been what? Look at those words. Made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus, he will certainly save us from condemnation. Those words made right, there's a big fancy word for that. It's the word justification. It means that, 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 that Jesus' righteousness, Jesus' goodness and his perfection was credited to us on the cross. He died for our sins. He died in our place. And that when we trust in him, that his righteousness, his goodness is credited to us. Which means that when we put our faith in Jesus... That we're saved from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is death. Eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But the moment you're saved, you become justified. You become, you become made right with God to where the penalty of sin no longer has any effect on you. That's good news, right? 
But Paul found himself in this messy middle where he was saved from the penalty of sin, but he kept doing the very sins that he hated. And he was in this struggle. But not only does God save us, does Jesus save us from the penalty of sin, he saves us from the power of sin. Turn one chapter over, Romans chapter six. This is all what Paul's talking about in this book. He says this about the power of sin. Once we believe in Jesus, he says we know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so sin might lose its what? Power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. When we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Each of us are born with a sin nature. Each of us have no choice but to sin. Nobody ever had to teach you to be a turd. Right? Like you didn't, you, you, like when, when you were two years old, just ask your parents how you were when you were two years old. When you were two years old, they didn't send you to a class. It's like, okay, children, we're gonna learn how to be complete jerks to people. Like nobody had to teach you to be a turd. Nobody had to teach you how to lie. It came what? Naturally, your sin nature. You were under, the Bible says, slavery to sin. But when Jesus died for us and when we put our faith in Jesus, when we trusted him, he set us free from the power of sin. It doesn't mean we'll never sin anymore, but what it does mean is that we have the power inside us through the Holy Spirit to see sin for what it is and say no to it. People who aren't, um, people who, who aren't saved, they don't have the Holy Spirit inside their, in, in, inside their hearts, they, many of them have no hope in their struggle with pornography. Uh, many have no hope in getting their anger under control. But because we've been set free from the power of sin by Jesus, we have, I, I don't want to say it to, to glorify us, it's not our power, we have the power of God in our lives to say no to sin. We'll talk more about that here in a second. The final thing. So Jesus' death set us free from the penalty of sin. Set us free from the power of sin. It also will one day set us free from the presence of sin. Now this is where it gets awesome. In 1 Corinthians 15, it's a long chapter. We can't go into everything it talks about in this chapter, but the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about what's going to happen one day. It talks about what's going to happen when Jesus returns. Remember, where, where, where does our sin nature reside? In our flesh, in our body? What does it say is going to happen to our bodies when Jesus comes back? He says, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be, look at this word, it's repeated a lot, transformed. It'll happen in the moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. The trumpet sounds, those who, are, who have died will be raised to life forever. And all who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies that's our old sin nature must be transformed into bodies that will never die free from sin and our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies you see what's going to happen one day this flesh that we're living in God's going to give us a holy body a new body some of y'all you go to the gym every day you're like I've already got a holy body thank you very much well your body still has a sin nature so ah, even though you take selfies at the gym it's still not a perfect body um we're going to be one day be set free from the power of sin. The struggle is going to go away. What do you think that's going to look like when the struggle goes away? God gives us a little glimpse in the future in Revelation chapter 21. This is just a little glimpse of what it's like when we're free from the presence of sin. It says, talking about Jesus, he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, or crying or pain, all these things, all these consequences of living in a sinful world and sinful bodies 
are gone forever. That's some hope, isn't it? So the struggle is real, but through Jesus, we can receive victory over the struggle. So you say, Matt, that's great, but I'm in a struggle right now. I'm dealing with addictions right now. I can't get my anger under control like right now and my parents are waiting for me in the car and I'm afraid as soon as I get in there, they're gonna have something to say and I'm just gonna explode. I want you to think about four things. And we are gonna get out on time. <laughs> I want you to think about four things that we can do in the middle of the struggle. It's Halloween season and they're all F words. We got F words tonight. The first one is uh, fake. We need to be honest. We can't be fake. We need to be honest about our struggle with sin. Can you imagine, like, like, like the Apostle Paul is writing as, 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 the, as, as, in many ways, the father of many churches, an elite spiritual Christian dude, he's writing about his personal struggle with sin. You know, until some of us admit our personal struggle with sin, we'll never get victory over sin. If we keep walking around like our poop gonna stink, Everybody else is smelling something. We keep walking around like we have no problems in our life and we don't struggle with sin. The only person we're fooling is ourselves and we'll never get into a place where we find victory over that struggle. So we gotta stop being fakers. We gotta stop faking it. The next, the next one is faith. Victory begins with your salvation. You need to be sure of it. I gotta ask you tonight, are you sure that you're saved? Has there been, I'm not, I didn't ask if you've been baptized. I didn't ask if, you know, like you go to church. I didn't ask if you went to church with your grandma while you were young. What I ask is, has there been a time in your life where you put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross? Where you put your faith in Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection and you trusted him as the only way to save you from the power of sin? Has there been a time in your life when you've done that? A lot of people struggle with the assurance of their salvation. Why not make it sure tonight? Get rid of that little shadow of a doubt tonight. If you're saved and you know it, but you're still in the middle of the struggle, you need to thank God for what he did for you. You need to thank God for the fact that even though you're struggling, the battle and the war is already ultimately won. And one day you'll be delivered from the presence of sin. The next F word, I don't think I've ever used this as an F word before, felony. Felony, I want you to go out and commit murder tonight. Some of you are like, the purge is on, okay? I want to, sh I want to show you, oh, sorry. I want to show you a, a verse that, 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 a series of verses that is, is very helpful um, to me and maybe it'll be very helpful to you. It's in Romans chapter six. You can just turn back a page. It says this, this is how to kill sin. I want you to put sin on your hit list. This is how to kill sin. Look at what it says. First it says, you should consider yourself dead to sin. That's what we just talked about. You need to remember that Jesus beat the power of sin and you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. You need to remember that you're dead to sin. You got the power. Look to the person next to you and say, I got the power. I got the power. There we go. Now say it like, like you believe it. Say, it. say it like Aretha Franklin would say it. Okay, somebody got it. Kate got it. Okay. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive through Christ Jesus. Now look, it says, don't let sin control the way you live. In my ESV, it says like this, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. That means you have a choice, right? If God tells you not to do something, that means you have a choice. Don't let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil. 
A famous Puritan writer said it this way, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. I'll say it this way since we're talking about felony. Be murdering sin or sin will be murdering you. The final F word is feet. Everybody put your, I was gonna say, have everybody put their feet in the air. I don't wanna see your feet. I hate feet. I, can, I don't understand people that think feet are pretty. That's, that's just disgusting. The hardest verse in the Bible for me to read is how beautiful the feet of the people that bring the good news of, 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 of Jesus. But look at this. Walk in step with the Holy Spirit. If, if you still have your Bible open, you want, may want to write this passage down next to this, next to this reference. Galatians 5, 16. Here's the verse. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not. I'm going to underline this. This is so important. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you see the relationship here? The more you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, the less you're going to give in to your old sin nature. How do you live by the power of the Holy Spirit? By doing the things that God has called you to do. By spending time in his word. By talking to him. Having a conversation in prayer. By coming and building yourself up in the middle of the week with your brothers and sisters in Christ. By gathering with the people of God on Sundays. By, by continuing to fill your, your, your mind and your thoughts with things that are honoring to God. If all you do is sit there and scroll through your Instagram explore page... What do you think God's going to, what do you, what do you think is going to be put in your mind? Not godly things, right? Probably not. Walk by the Spirit. That's a promise and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So maybe you're like me. The struggle's real. Maybe you're like Paul. The struggle's real. There's victory. <laughs> I don't sound like an old southern gospel singer. There's victory in Jesus. There's victory in Jesus. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to make like a baby and head out of here. Okay? So let's pray. Um, God, thank you for Jesus. Um, we feel sometimes so defeated uh, by our own failures. Uh, we get discouraged when we see people around us fail in significant ways. Uh, but God, we, we thank you that even though the struggle is real, uh, Jesus is real. And the cross is real. And heaven is real. Thank you that you defeated, that you removed on the cross the penalty of our sin. That when we believe in you, we'll never have to experience that terrible place called hell and we get to spend eternity with you. Our sins are forgiven. Thank you that you give us power over the, or you give us power over the power of sin now. You've defeated the power of sin. And thank you that one day we will be removed from the presence of sin. And God, I pray if there's a teen here tonight, if there's a student here tonight that doesn't know you as their savior, they, don't, they can't think of a time they put their faith in you. God, that they'll do that tonight, that they'll simply trust you, that they'll turn from their sinful ways, their sin nature, and believe in you and trust you to save them. And thank you that anyone who calls on your name, on the name of the Lord, will be saved. And God, I pray that as we leave, we'll leave in a spirit of, of victory, uh, knowing that even though sin is here, it's not going to be for long. And even though sin is here, you give us the power to live in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.